Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media. A good story is a good story. Hosted by Marsha Casper Cook. Live shows every week with interesting interviews in the entertainment field with writers, producers, directors, and screenwriters. There's also shows about newsworthy topics and group discussions about writing tips to help writers reach success. New to the show are conversations about personal struggles and how to feel good about yourself in today's world. One thing's for sure, it's always a lively conversation and lots of fun. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. It's Marcia. We're going to have a great show today. This is going to be a humorous show. So I think we should probably have more of these shows. We need that in this world. And uh, it's the week before Thanksgiving. There won't be a show next week, but we will be talking about Thanksgiving a little later on. And um, Kristen Lindsay Hager is here and a special guest, Dorothy Rosby. And uh, she's a syndicated humor humor columnist. And she's gonna. She's very popular, and she's gonna bring to the show something we don't usually have a lot of: is comedy and humor, uh, which we need. So um, I'm gonna talk about just a few things. Uh, let's see. Next week, I said I don't have a show, and I have a few shows coming up in December. Um, I'll probably be off for a week or two because I know everybody's busy with Christmas, Hanukkah. So I think I might not be on. And um, I do have uh, the last few shows we've been talking about reviews and trying to be happy about some of them and not feeling depressed. And I came because you can't give up writing whatever you write, a column, a story, a book, a screenplay. You just can't give up because someone says, well, I don't care for it that much. Or So I came across something last night. I was... Um, promoting Grand Central Station from the Global Network, and I happened to come across a review from 2019, which I hadn't seen. So because I was talking about everybody else cheering up if they get something that they don't like, I thought I'd read this because this is uh, an example of what you should definitely not do in a review because it has nothing to do with the book. And so we have mentioned that before. And so I think that the people that are reviewing – I just want people to understand they're not reviewers. They're other people with opinions. And sometimes they're reading a book uh, from a genre that they shouldn't be reading and they're just giving a review on it. They don't finish the book. We talked about that several weeks in a row of how that affects people. So I'm just going to read you a little bit about this. was about Grand Central Station. She said it's a grand, it's, you know, it's a standalone sweet contemporary romance that includes a talking dog. I have... She, this is she saying, I have an aspiring author whom I have been speaking to and I coached him recently that a problem has to be presented to the reader. In this story, there are many words, various vignettes, but there is no problem to be resolved. I wanted to like the story, but it didn't go anywhere except to Vegas to get married. I'm not sure even why the family dog talked since his voice didn't add anything to the story. As you notice, even my blog post is a vignette because I can't get a flow from the book. Should I pick up some? Should I pick up something else from this author? Have you read anything by her? You know, and uh, then she goes on to say that uh, the audio book uh, had a sweet British nanny voice, and unfortunately, each sentence ended up with uh, separate en- en- entities. I don't really understand that part. And it says, 
She got this from a gift from an audio book. So it, this is on an audio book, which sometimes people shouldn't be reading audio books, listening to audio books if they're not used to it. But this particular story, Grand Central, the story is about chaos in a family. So naturally it isn't going to run like everything runs. It's taken from a screenplay, but it did have a lot of characters. But the fact that she's writing, she's trying to teach someone how to write a story, and then she's using my story as what not to do is is not right. So I don't care that she wrote this, but I feel like when you when somebody does this in a review, don't pay attention. They have no reason or uh, it should never be that way. She's, I looked her up. I don't think she's a coach. I don't think she's an author. But she put that in that she was. Maybe she is. But the problem is romantic comedies don't always have to have an exact problem. They have their stories. It's fun. That's why the show today is about fun. And it kind of it's funny that I saw it last night because we're going to have fun. And, you know, people have forgotten to have fun and humor. And not everything has to be you know, so like that you're getting hit over the head, like you have to you have a lesson. It's just fun. So I'm going to introduce you to someone that's going to talk to us about fun. And um, <laughs> Dorothy, <laughs> let's hear Hello. about fun. Good okay. <laughs> and if it's funny, I read it last night because it's funny that you're on because it's about humor, okay? And humor comes in so many different ways. So talk to us a little bit about what you do and um, we're very lucky to have you here. Here, Kristen knows you, and so I was glad to have you on. So tell us about yourself. Let's have I fun here. Have, yes, well, I have been a, a, a self-syndicated okay. humor columnist for 26 years now. Wow. I uh, Yeah, I published my first humor column one month before my son was born right on his due date because wow. I am a columnist and I never miss a deadline. So anyway, uh-huh. yes, for twenty six years. And and my column runs in, in um newspapers in the West and the Midwest and a couple of then I also write for a couple of um blogs and a magazine. And I have uh written four books of humorous essays. Yeah. And I and I live in Rapid City, South Dakota, out here in the you know, middle of almost nowhere, more cows than people here. But and I think Kristen and I actually met here, didn't we, Kristen? Yes, yes, and rapidly. Yes. Beth and I used to live there briefly. Yep, and then we we reconnected to that Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop a few years after that. So yeah, and I tell us about Irma Bombeck. To, to mention yeah. Irma Bombeck, right? For those who don't know she Irma Bombeck, she was really an important part of. Humor. Yeah, she. Very important. Uh, um, I grew up reading Irma Bombeck, but you know, when I, a few years ago, I was going to go to the Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop, which is held every two years in um, Dayton, Ohio, her alma mater. And I mentioned that to some millennials I knew, and they were both like, who, what? And I, you right. know, I thought, we cannot, we cannot pass this country off to a group of people that who, who do not know who Irma Bombeck is. I mean, how can we trust that? Right. She was, I grew up reading her. At one point, she was syndicated in about 900 newspapers. 
900 newspapers. Um, she, she died in 1996, but she was – I look at her as the, the one who kind of opened the door for other people to write like domestic kind of humor, humor from the home front. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and especially women, because I think yeah. back at the time when she started, a lot of people really didn't, a lot of newspapers didn't think that was a profitable idea. Women at all. <laughs> and yeah, right. women writing humor and humor from the home front. And there was probably a page that they had some, you know, baking some recipes or something for women mm-hmm. and a fashion. But, yep. but otherwise, you know, so she, I, I, she's really my hero. And, and I really think she opened the door for a lot of us, both men and women. So she was on TV a lot, too. I think she was on TV What's a that? lot. She was she on was TV a lot, too. Phil Donahue yeah. really kind of put her on the map. They were neighbors here. Yes. And, um, oh, they were? Yes. Well, yeah, they were that, neighbors. And, and, you know, she, um, she actually had started a TV show. I forget the name of it. Do you remember, Kristen? I don't know that it went anywhere, but there was a show based on a TV show comedy based on her humor at one point, And she appeared on lots of, you know, talk shows and, you know, she wrote um, 15, I think, best-selling books, all bestsellers, yeah, yeah. you know. So if you haven't, if you're not familiar with her because you were born, you know, too recently, you ought to go look her up because she's really Yeah, I'm sure amazing. on YouTube. I'm sure there's YouTubes on her. There's probably YouTubes on sure. her. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Or you might remember seeing a clipping. Might remember seeing a clipping of one of her columns on your grandparents' refrigerator, because her (laughs) column was one that people would cut out and mail to one another, and you'd see it on relatives' refrigerators. You know, (laughs) they do things like that in the mail. Now you do that with Dave Barry and Mitch Album, and of course Dorothy too. Yes, yeah. I hope. Yeah, I, I I aspire to be hanging on people's refrigerators, or I should say, I aspire <laughs> for my writing to be hanging on people's refrigerators. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other one be so good, but yeah. And no, not really. <laughs> I was thrilled to be the recipient of the Irma Bombeck Writers Workshops um, Global Humor Winner. So. Yeah, that was real. It's exciting. It's a great conference they have every two years and honor her for her great work. So, I think we need more of that. I, I actually we do. We need a lot. You know, and when she came, I think during her time, it was hard even for female, you know, comedians. You know, women were not supposed to be funny. I guess you know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. They they were not. You know, it was very different. So, and she just went right ahead and go, went on and became very successful. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing. She's like a leader yeah. in that, I think, you know, for women, you know, to try to be, you know, because you, you do have to have humor, especially when you're raising children and when you're married, you need a lot of humor. Otherwise, <laughs> this is not a good thing. <laughs> right. No way. Right. Um, yeah, and it's one of the so, universal yeah. things, too, that really, you know, reaches yeah. out to people. Because I did a humor right. column when I was in, college for a few years and stuff and people would kind of refer to that in, in like the Irma Bombeck vein and things like that and it really you know it really breaks up the monotony and it also helps too when people are going through difficult times and you know you might bypass you know the comics or something but when you read something like that it just it's really uplifting and it's a way of connecting to people too and like I mentioned the refrigerator 
I remember hearing my great aunt had one of my columns on the fridge, and that was like my biggest moment that I thought, oh, yeah. like, wow, you know, she put it on on the refrigerator. Like that's, right. that's bigger than your crayon drawing, you know, your coloring. Joining the others. <laughs> You're right. That yeah, I, I, and I think um, columns for a lot of different columnists that that is that it sounds funny but that kind of is the goal because yeah, or, I know. when people say they mailed it, they copied it and mailed it to you know, or emailed it yeah. or forwarded and that's really good to hear. I think um, you know, columnists or humorists can sometimes make feel people feel better about the goof ups they have because Yep. When you're a columnist, you um, you tell secrets about your life. It's kind of a, a you know a window into your life, but it's kind of a mirror into your reader's life, and they see, oh wow, I'm not the only one who did that, right? Or I'm not the mm-hmm. only. That, that could be thirteen one. years of this show. <laughs> that could be thirteen years of this show. <laughs> you could write about yeah. that. I think people like to hear people. I think people like that. They like to hear you know, that people are not perfect, which is one of the reasons right. why I read that book review, because I was talking about book reviews, and so I think, you know, at, during my show, so I do do this, you know, because not everything is perfect, and I think people like to hear that. They feel much better about themselves when they realize they're not the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think I a lot do of that too. boils down to, if you write humor yeah. like I do in my books and things like that, that's the number one thing is where people will say, use the word relatable, or say, oh, yeah, you know, right. I... I can relate to this. I'm not the only one. It all boils down, comes back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, you you have to admit to some things, and then you're kind of thinking, maybe I overshared, but then someone will say, I did the same <laughs> thing. You know, I um, yeah. have written about, you know, getting speeding tickets and driving away from the gas station with the nozzle still in my tank, and, you know, every yeah. one of those things <laughs> I've admitted to somebody has said to me, oh, I'm good. I did it too, but I bet they didn't admit to it until, you know, right. I did. But <laughs> so, coffee on the car, coffee on the coffee on your car. You know, you put the coffee cup on the car and then you're driving away. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> and you don't yeah, get yeah. the coffee; it's gone. It blows away. I yeah, I saw somebody driving down the road not long ago with a house plant <laughs> on their hood. So oh, I bet things didn't didn't end well for. <laughs> For the house yeah, they were in a hurry. But sometimes you are in a hurry, you know. Sometimes you're in a big hurry. You you know, it's not the same as it was like, during the pandemic and everything. People were home more, and they're kind of like not going as fast as they used to. Yeah. But when people used to be like rushing out the door, going to work, trying to get, you know, the child to school and whatever, and whatever happens, happens, you know. And mm-hmm. you most likely leave something somewhere that you need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, I have an ex- um, yeah. somebody asked me recently um, if everything I write about really has happened to me. And I said, it really has. I may exaggerate sometime, right. but my theory <laughs> is that it happens to everybody. Yeah. They just don't have a deadline, you know, a call <laughs> deadline. <laughs> so they, they forget right. about it or don't share it. But when you have a deadline, you're like, oh, well, that happened, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'll have a good story there. My house is a mess. Yep. The car has a dent in it from the house plant falling off. But I yep. do have a column. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There's a silver line. I think people. I, I do think people like humor. 
you know, and I noticed, you know, that there's a lot there. I think they're trying to put a lot more like romantic comedies on TV because we've all watched a lot of things on Netflix. They're very intense. And I think people need to be a little less intense now, you know. I mean, I think they want to laugh. They want to enjoy life. Even if there are people that, you know, can't go out as much, they do want to watch things or hear things that are fun. And just, you know, even during the pandemic, I didn't even know I should have the show. And I mentioned it so many times that I just kept going because people were home. And, you know, and then guests would want to come on for sure because they were, you know, a lot of writers, if they can't write in coffee shops or whatever, they were, they had nowhere to to go you know you're sitting in your house so i think it's a you know that's why podcasts and being on the radio and zooms i think you know people have learned a different way you know and people can communicate differently and so people don't have to be alone anymore because when you're alone sometimes it's very depressing for people yeah and you know Humor is so good for a tough time to, well, it has some health benefits, you know, and it's such a yeah. physical thing that it, re- it it does relax you and it releases some built up tension because it's, it's just so, it's just so physical, but, but it's good for a lot of other reasons too. You know, one thing I think it really gives us some perspective, you know, you think, I, I remember early in the pandemic, I'm, you know, looking at the mirror, people are dying. And I'm looking in the mirror going, oh, I look terrible in this mask. And then all of a sudden yeah. it's like, what? What am I doing? Yeah. People are right. dying. I know. You know, it can give you kind of some perspective if you go, oh, that yeah, really I think is that's true. very small potatoes, yeah. you know, compared no, to what's happening. Because, so. you know, yeah, because a lot of people really felt that way. You know, they would look in the mirror, but then the truth is, I say one thing, if we're all still here after the pandemic, this is a good thing, you know? I mean, we made it yeah. through, no matter, I mean, good <laughs> or bad, or if we had COVID, but we made it through. And that, and that's really, like, it, that's something to be happy about, <laughs> because right. a lot of people, unfortunately, did not. So, and I right. think that's the thing, and we, this is something nobody will forget. You know, the first show right. I had uh, during the pandemic, I think people, we were talking about, will we write about the pandemic? Will we talk about it? And everybody goes, eh, now we don't want to do that. But it lasted for so long, it's become a part of our lives. It's not just yeah. two weeks. You know, yeah. it's yeah. a long time when you think about it. And, and it's certainly in kids' lives. It's a really long time, you know, to right. have three years in a child's life is a long time. Oh, and in yeah. adults, you know, we're... We're all, we're all home, so I think a lot of times we had a time to think about where we're going in our career and what we don't like about what we've done, and you know, and just make changes, which is not a bad thing to make changes. Right, right. You know, if you're not happy, you know. So when you go out and you're talking to people, what what do they say to you? I mean, what kind of you know do they tell you their stories? Do they ask you for advice? Which I'm sure they do. <laughs> what what kind of questions you know, do they ask you? I know. I don't think anybody, well, I shouldn't say that. People do ask me about advice, but writers ask me for advice about how they might start a column or things like that. But what I really do love, and I think Kristen mentioned this, is when people read your column and then they say, this happened to me, you know, they're reminded of something that happened to them. And I I would say that almost every time I write a column, I get at least, um, one person saying they felt the same, they did the same thing, or yeah. So that is yeah. very. Um, that's that really is affirming that you're on to something. But do you have a tip for people that might help some people that are thinking of maybe they'd like to write a column? 
what they what steps um, they can do? Yeah, well, here's what I did. I actually was a humorous speaker before I was a hum- allegedly allegedly a humorous speaker. <laughs> I was in Toastmasters for like uh, you know a, a two or three hundred years. I was in Toastmasters and participated in a lot of humor contests, speaking contests, and won some humor wow. contests. So finally, I typed up some of my um, speeches, you know, kind of polished them up and sent them to the local paper and and um, pitched a column, and they accepted. Well, after that, I had clippings from my local paper that I was able to send to other newspapers, and so that's how I marketed myself, you know, starting with that first column in my local paper. So I guess that would be my advice right there is to start with your local publication. Now, the world's changed so much. I've been writing yeah, right. columns for so right. long, and now there's, you know, online publications, and, you know, right. I, I think, you know, so now someone starting with their blog or something, you know, is a, is a good way to start. But, yes, yeah, kind of, the world's kind of changed, but that's how I did it. And then from there the columns sort of um, I was able to expand on them and marry some together and, you know, and my t- speeches and everything eventually put them all together to become books on themes. So, yeah, that's, that was kind of my path. But, and I do, you know, that's one thing I would suggest is starting locally and working your way out. Yeah, Kristen, do you have something you wanted to ask? You know, because we're not in the same room. So <laughs> there's something well, yeah. you would like to ask? <laughs> Doesn't yeah, I'd like to me. ask how things have changed, you know, because you've said with, um, you know, 26 years, because I know back when I was starting too, things would just be in the newspaper and then slowly they went online. So maybe in the past you would just get reaction through like a letter that somebody sent in, but then pretty soon people are able to leave comments online and message you directly because there's an email with your byline and things. So how have things changed for you with your audience being able to reach you quicker to respond to things, both the good and the bad? I definitely get more responses now that people can email me. I did get letters, and I kept every one of them. And, wow. Um, but but I now I I don't even remember the last time I got a letter, but I often get emails, so it's much, so much easier for them to just do that yeah. quickly. And then, of course, some people actually read their newspapers online, so it's so much quicker but I kept every letter that anyone wrote me and there's one that I um I actually reminds me of what we were talking about I kept it and I didn't put it in my file folder full of letters I kept it in my little tickler old-fashioned tickler file so that it comes up every you know every couple of months and I just loved it and somebody wrote me to say and they didn't I couldn't read their name so I wasn't even able to thank them but they wrote to say that I, they had a really difficult time and that my column had helped make their difficult illness or whatever it was more copable. (laughs) Whoever it was said the word copable. And then he said, I don't even know if that's a word. And, you know, I don't care if it is because I know what he meant. He was better able to cope. (laughs) You can make up a word. We don't care. On this show, we don't care. (laughs) There's no grammar check. There's no grammar. Nobody's checking the grammar here. Yeah, so I kept that, you know, and, and, and there's a lot. I do have other letters that I, I never have gotten rid of them, but it is a lot quicker for people to email me, a little harder to yeah. save, you know, <laughs> because yeah. um, my my email just changed, which was a total nightmare, and um, I had a bunch of emails saved, and I think they kind of disappeared. So, 
Yeah, so it's a different, definitely a different world, both in distributing and in hearing back from yep. your yeah. readers. Um, yeah. I used to have to mail out my columns. Good gravy. I mailed yeah. out my columns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah, I was just nuts. talking about that. I had to mail things out, which was really. <laughs> So, you know, when I was an agent, I had a mail, you know, we mailed things to agents, you know, to different producers and things like that. Now you, you, it's the Internet. You don't have to do any of that anymore, you know, and it's so different. Oh, it is different, goodness. you know. Yeah. Quicker. That's quicker. the good thing. Yeah. It, it is so much better. You know, you get mm-hmm. more of a reaction or no reaction because it's like when people, you know, some people used to throw away mail and then other people now just erase you. <laughs> it's one or the other, you know. <laughs> you just don't know. You know what's right, going to happen, right, but it's, right, a, it's right. yeah. But you could leave comments, like Kristen said. Right, the comments, you know, matter. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get well, they, you know, they, um, you, sh- you know, you were talking about reviews and how you shouldn't necessarily pay attention to them. Most of the yep. time, when I get a comment from a reader, it's a good one. I've gotten a few negative ones over the years, but mostly they've been really positive, and they yep. just fill your bucket because it is kind of a lonely life sitting here in front of your computer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So hearing that people are, it's like what you write humor isn't really completed until there's a reader. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's got to come full circle. So then to know you actually have one or two or 10 is really reassuring. So yeah, it is. It is. That makes it right. And that's what I think I've said this many times on the show that, I think people that read books and, you know, for about, you know, all of us like to hear a comment, and especially when they talk about, like, in, in the book, they talk about a character, like they're real, like, because we all, know, as authors, feel they're real. So it makes us feel mm-hmm. good. You don't need to have a thousand to make you happy. You just need a couple to say, oh, okay, I can keep going on because there are people out there listening to what I say or watch, you know, reading my books. And in your in your case, they they go to conferences and they meet you. And so I think that's a good thing. I think we still yeah. all need that. You know, no matter how many years we're doing this, it never stops being nice when someone says, oh, I liked your book or I read this. And it, and it really isn't about if it's the book that was written this moment. They could read a book that somebody wrote five years ago and still like the book. The story didn't change. You know, so mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with reading that. I think it, everything doesn't have to be right now. You know, it can be in the past. Like when you're talking about Irma Bombeck, yeah, she was in the past, but she's remembered by her books and by people like you that are out there, you know, uh, you know, winning awards by a competition with her name on it. So she's not leaving. Yeah. She's yeah. still here with people in their minds. Yeah. And that's a good thing. It matters. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, you you like it sort of gives you a little bit of what's the word legacy? Your legacy. It's your legacy, you guys. Right, exactly. <laughs> the words out there. <laughs> no one knows who our what our legacy is. <laughs> so I, you you have yeah. a, you have a book you wanted to read to uh you have something about Thanksgiving that I you know you'd like to read which would be fun to hear. Yes, let me find that. It, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, so my newest book is called Tis the Season to Feel Inadequate, Holidays, Special Occasions, and Other Times We Let Our Celebrations Get Out of Hand. But So I have a lot of holidays. I have a lot of Christmas, but I have a lot of other holidays. Well, every other holiday in it. I kind of work yeah. my way through the year. And this is yeah. actually, this is mercifully short, and it is a true story about something that happened on a Thanksgiving to my husband and I, and it is called Paltry Poultry. 
Most Thanksgiving, you'll find my husband and one of my brothers at our dinner table gnawing on turkey legs like a couple of peasants at a Renaissance festival. And he never said so, but I suspected my spouse considered it a silver lining of the pandemic that he'd have both drumsticks to himself on Thanksgiving 2020. Even though we were going to be alone for the holiday, he'd been adamant that we have the whole feast. So I'd selected the smallest turkey I could find. On Thanksgiving morning, he began to prepare it as he does every year. I was pondering how quiet our holiday was going to be compared to previous years when I heard frantic hollering from the kitchen. There's no legs, no wings, no pop-up things. I rushed to the kitchen to discover that someone had indeed stolen our turkey's appendages. It was barbaric. Maybe not. A glance at the package revealed there'd been no foul play. After all, I hadn't purchased a small turkey. I brought home a large turkey breast. My husband looked downright betrayed. I was disappointed, too. We both think turkeys would be better if they were made up entirely of dark meat. We had none of that, and it was my fault. I'd have been sent to our room without dinner if it wasn't my job to make everything else. It's hard to believe it's possible, but things went downhill from there. My husband assumed that the small bag that came with our turkey breast contained giblets. It didn't. It was a packet of gravy, and it sprayed the kitchen when he tore it open. And he'd been right about there being no pop-up temperature indicator in our turkey breast. Of course, those are pointless if the turkey doesn't cook, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We had to eat something, so my normally mild-mannered spouse jammed the turkey breast into the oven unceremoniously and left the kitchen to to, uh, pout. I said about making the potatoes, green beans, and stuffing, the box kind that doesn't require contact with a turkey. Good thing. We got so hungry we gobbled up later as an appetizer. I may have been a little preoccupied thinking about our paltry poultry because I didn't notice that something was missing in my kitchen, the aroma of roasting turkey. When I checked the turkey, it was as cold as my darling's heart at the moment. It's possible that in the confusion, I bumped the switch and turned the oven off. That's easy to do with our (laughs) oven. But I prefer to think he forgot to turn it on in the first place. Because that makes us even. <laughs> the end. <laughs> True story. That is cute. Well, that that is totally believable. Totally. It because was. sometimes you're so busy, you put the turkey in, you go, uh oh. I've, I've heard people do this. I, that's true. And I well, knew. Well, we were so distracted by all yeah. of the. <laughs> so you, you just saw it. So you like dark. You like dark meat. It didn't matter. You you, you don't wouldn't want a turkey breast anyway. You like dark meat. No. So that's you know. No. Oh. There is yeah, something different about a turkey though. There is something different about a turkey than a turkey breast. It does not taste the same. It really does. I love I love the brown yeah. meat. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole turkey well, and you know does what was, t- taste. That whole thing good. was so awful while it was happening. We were mad at yeah. each other. We were frustrated. We were hungry. We were, <laughs> but that night when I went to bed, I all of a sudden it kind of hit me, and I started laughing, and I could not yeah, stop right, laughing. Right. And I thought, I need to write about this. So I right. did. That's, right. <laughs> so, That's, it. That's why yeah. true events do help in writing because you know sometimes you just can't make things up. You know, sometimes they yeah. just happen like that. But well, you know, and, but and they, um, yeah. 
they're not always funny when they're happening. It's later. later. No, that's very true. <laughs> Sometimes well, the, But later. the good news is you didn't have a house full of people that would be waiting for turkey because that has happened. Exactly. I've seen that on TV when they're all waiting oh and the turkey comes out and it's raw. So that's not a good thing. Oh, Because oh, yeah. there's no way to cook a turkey fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. really and the worst part is that places are closed. You can't even order out. So that's the other no. thing. No. Take some hot dogs out and boil them up or something. <laughs> <laughs> Make some well, that was that. And I, I know, something. <laughs> but you did have the stuffing, so that's not bad. <laughs> I want you to talk a little bit about the um, the essay, the column that you did about your um, in-laws, your, their traditions with different kinds of food and stuff like that. I was really enjoying that one the other day. Can you share that oh, one a little bit with us? Yes, I can. Um, my, <laughs> I married, well, I'll tell you this, I married into a Scandinavian family, and so that um, they make left. So that's what this is about. It's, um, did you want me to read it or just tell you about it or read it? Yeah, go ahead. Read it. Yeah. I'd love to read it. If I, yeah. Okay. So this yeah. is called Making Peace with Lefsa. Oof, the Norwegians take their Lefsa seriously. I married into a family of Scandinavian descent, half Norwegian, half Swedish, and it was at my first Christmas dinner with my in-laws more than 30 years ago that I learned just how seriously they take it. I foolishly mentioned that being of German descent, I had never actually tasted Lefsa. All conversation stopped. I think someone may have kicked my husband under the table. I know they all glared at him. <laughs> to this day, some of his family members still wonder why he married me, but it may not be the Lefsa. For those of you who are unfamiliar with it, Lefsa is one of those traditional foods that often shows up during the holiday season. It's a type of flatbread made mostly with potatoes and flour, and it's not only a delicacy, but a source of great pride to the Norwegians in my life. I've never taken my brats and sauerkraut that seriously because, well, how could I? My father was full-blooded German and my mother half-German. Together they made homemade sauerkraut and a wonderful sausage that I would love to taste again. But sauerkraut and sausage were never served at our holiday dinners. So I do admire those who keep the traditional recipes alive, whether they're worth keeping alive or not. I'm teasing. <laughs> it's not that I don't like Lefsa. The truth is I'm neutral about it. I could take it or leave it just like I could take or leave white bread, tortillas, and wallpaper paste. They're just not worth getting worked up over. In my uneducated opinion, there are many other fine Scandinavian foods that are much more deserving of the devotion my in-laws have for their lesson. My mother-in-law has passed away, but she used to serve many of them for holiday meals. I loved her flatbread. Her Swedish meatballs were fabulous, and I was crazy about krub, or as I like to call them, potato bowling balls. Kidding. They're (laughs) potato dumplings, and they're amazing. You don't feel much like swimming or dancing for several hours after enjoying them, but you're very happy anyway. I even have some, or I can even find something to like about lutefisk melted butter for those fortunate enough never to be acquainted with it lutefisk is prepared by soaking dried cod in lye to tenderize it then boiling it to a gelatinous consistency there are food words that go together naturally but oh wait there are food words that go together naturally but i lost my place but, um, okay, there are food words that go to go, roast and beef, scrambled and eggs, but gelatinous and fish aren't two of them. 
One should be respectful of families. But maybe I'm, this one's a little too long. Are you still are you still wanting to finish? No, it? go oh, ahead. I'm still here. I'm listening. I'm not, I might never okay. eat fish again or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> just just uh, ludicrous. One should be respectful of a family's traditional <laughs> holiday foods, but I don't care much for ludicrous. I don't think my in-laws do either, but they still often feel a primal need to serve it at holiday meals. It's the lefsa that shows up at every Christmas meal, though, and I just can't get excited about it. Yet I've seen wars thought over it, family feuds anyway. Do you use butter alone or butter and sugar on your lefsa? Do you cut it into small pieces or leave the circle intact for serving? Is it okay to spread margarine instead of butter on your lefsa, or is that a sacrilege? I heard a story of a wayward daughter-in-law who was practically disowned because she made her lefsa using instant mashed potatoes. And I heard of another young wife whose husband almost left her because she filed her lefsa recipe in the recipe box under foreign foods. Interestingly, I also heard about a Norwegian exchange student who expressed surprise that anyone in the United States even makes lefsa since none of her acquaintances back in Norway do anymore. Early in my marriage, my mother-in-law gave me a griddle for making lefsa, and I have used it often to make pancakes. As long as there's a Sons of Norway chapter in this town, I see no reason to learn to make lefsa. But in the interest of family unity, I've developed some recipes for making lefsa more palatable to me the next time we host my in-laws for Christmas dinner. The Norwegian Samoa, wrap chocolate bars and marshmallows in your lefsa. The after-school snack lefsa, spread peanut butter and jelly on lefsa, roll up and slice into bite-sized chunks for the children to play with. And my personal favorite, German-Norwegian Alliance Lefsa. Spread Lefsa with butter. Do not substitute margarine. Drain sauerkraut and spread over buttered Lefsa. Top sauerkraut with diced bratwurst. Sprinkle with coarse ground black, brown black pepper. Enjoy brats and sauerkraut. Discard Lefsa. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. So, Kristen, are you um, Scandinavian? <laughs> No, but I became familiar with a lot of it when I was in South Dakota. You know, you, oh, you sure had the cute you little store downtown. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there were things I'd never come in contact with before, you know. But I did have the Barbie. I did have Scandinavian Barbie, so I kind of felt oh a little goodness. dialed in. That's funny. Well, I've never even I, heard of Scandinavian Barbie, but I think that's something that, um, you know, if I ever have grandkids, I'm probably going to have to find that. <laughs> I never it is funny how that. tradition you know people do get like a tradition you know whether you know and that's what happens at a family dinner people watch people and if you don't eat something that's as somebody made there are they notice they do notice you know that yeah the chef yeah. of the, what they do seem to look and go like oh you didn't like that or Something like that, you know, and people do watch whether you think they don't do or not, you know, and some people just don't want to try new foods either, you know, it's, that's how it is, you know, and you can't, you know, so I, you see people take something and then they're, you know, mushing it around on their plate so nobody can notice if they didn't eat that, you know, there's various ways you can hide it, you know. Even, right, I always you know, to did hide you, the cranberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't, right? People, there's just certain things. You know, did you right. watch the Julia the series uh, on HBO Max, Julia? I did. Child, you know what? You would love it. It's on, I think, HBO Max, but I think it might be on Netflix. I don't know. I'm looking it up now. It was so good because 
she was unbelievably funny too. But yeah. she wasn't funny because she was actually trying to be funny, but she just was funny. And they did a whole series <laughs> on her of, you know, and being a woman, you know, and she just was really, the, in the series, it showed her strength to keep going on because everybody loved her food, but they weren't quite sure what to do with her, you know. And she had a great career, but it wasn't easy career. You know, it wasn't, yeah. but the thing that kept it was her food was so fit. When they were, you know, I think there was that movie too, Julia, movie, I think that was, I don't know how many yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, With Meryl yeah. Streep, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, right, that was a good one too. And this one was just a series. and But it showed starting way at the bottom, when she really started at the bottom, you know, they didn't know what to do with her. So, so that's how she became, you know, popular, but still fighting all the way. And even when she did her shows, they didn't want to give her all the ingredients to this. And so she couldn't make things right. If you don't have the right ingredients, it's not going to taste ah, good. You know, right, she went through right. all of that. I think you'd like that. It's really, it's a fun series because you're just watching the strength of a woman that to carry yeah. on in the day that she did but they wanted her to make foods and not have all the ingredients. So she bought them with yeah. they didn't want to pay for it, so she went out and paid it. So she, by the time she was done with her show, she didn't make money because she was busy buying all the ingredients, but everybody oh. loved what she did. <laughs> yeah, she yeah but definitely. It, you know, it was really fun to watch. You know, because I do think a lot of people, you know, like to cook, but they don't cook great, so they need help. Mm. You know, but mm-hmm. some people don't cook very well, but they think they cook well, and that's the bad thing. That's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, scary. That is not good. Yeah, you run into that quite a bit. People, you know, yeah, talking about like the secret recipe, and it's like, I saw you open the can. I'm not really sure yeah. what the recipe is. Yeah. Or they leave out an ingredient, you know, because a lot of people, certainly in the past, they just go, you know, you say, oh, sugar, how much sugar? I don't know. They just like throw it in, you know, and so you have to guess it. And, you know, and it doesn't taste the same because you don't really know, you know, and that was years ago. People used to laugh. People go, they give you a recipe, but leave out one ingredient. And I know know that happened a lot. And they left that mm-hmm. so it wouldn't taste the same way as the other person. And you know, they didn't want and I re- to, right? Yeah. 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 You know, I remember a few years ago, This there's a, it's called Chili's, chili, uh, Bennett's Chili Sauce. So every lot of people loved it. And they took it off the market. I think it's back. But they took it off the market and all over the Internet and emails and Facebook, they were writing, who knows where we can get this? Because so many people used it to cook. You know, and they oh. didn't know what to use. It, but now I think it's back on the market. It's called chili, Bennett's chili sauce, and they made it for oh. like, to put brisket on, and to, to, they used it for sloppy Joe and just everything. You know, and it was really funny when it was off. And I think they did bring it back because sometimes people don't realize what how important an ingredient is to some people's recipes. Right. You know, mm-hmm. especially like even now, look what goes on. I'm sure there's people that are cooking out there or trying to do things, and there's no ingredients because that's what happened a lot of times. If you right now, if you want something, you know, particular, just get it because you might not see it again. Yeah. You know, and yeah. keep your pantry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you yeah. cook a lot? Do you cook a lot? I I do cook. I think a lot more than I'd like. I actually kind of like it, but I get sort of tired of 
doing it. I, I get sort of tired of always coming up with another idea and always yeah. doing dishes and things. My husband, and I don't mind this really, he does not like to cook at all. And he, But he does yep. so many other things that I don't really mind. And the other reason I don't really mind is that if he cooked, we would both be a lot fatter. <laughs> you know, he'd be eating a lot more steak and, you know, well, yeah. a lot more fried potatoes and, and, you know, those kinds of things. But he, like I said, he, he pulls the weight around here, so I don't mind. Plus, I think I can have a little more control over our health and nutrition. But I do, I do love to go out and eat. I miss that. I miss that when we couldn't do that, you know. Yeah, and I love yeah, to have yeah. leftovers because yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good thing because when you have leftovers, it's almost like you're not cooking the next day or two. Yeah, <laughs> or, or for some like people, seven day, seven days, seven days, <laughs> have it in the refrigerator. They keep. I have a habit of throwing everything out. I think, oh, I don't know if this is good, it, you know, and it's only a couple of days old. I, I think it's the way I was brought up because my mother used to do that, and my grandmother, they would be smelling something, and they would go, oh, yes. I don't know if it's good, after, especially after you ate it. You're going like, what? Couldn't you have smelled it yeah. before and see if it's good? But I think that's what a lot of people do that. Kristen, do you cook a lot? We never well, talk know, about that. In, when I was in South Dakota, you know, they had those long, hard winters, so I was definitely doing a lot of baking and cooking then, but then when I ended up in Portugal, I didn't have as many um, as much access to ingredients, and I kind of got a little bit sick of having to cook all the time. So not yeah. as much now, but I'm used to. In fact, I had a couple of my grandma's recipes and some um, uh, cookbooks and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I, Dorothy can probably relate to those long winters when you're trying to find something because going out is not an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you kind of really plan. I mean, you, you should really stock up when you get groceries. It, we're not one of those places where you just want to go, you know, every day to the grocery store and pick up what you need for the day. No, it's, like, it's good to be well stocked because if you get a blizzard, yep. in fact, we've had snow for the last few days. If you um, and it's not bad, we can get out. But yeah. if you get one of those. Like man, right. you know, pork and beans can get really boring after a while. Yeah, so you want to, yeah, yeah. And you have to look nice going to the grocery store because it is a very, it's you know, it's called a city, but it's very much like a small town, and you would run into everyone. I mean, if you went into oh, yeah. one of the main stores, you would always run into somebody. I remember, like the Target, we used to laugh that the Target was like the end spot to be on a weekend because you <laughs> yep. could not go into that place without running into at <laughs> least four people. It's just, it was impossible. It's true. It's so true. Yeah. So you, you know, you walk into the grocery store with your hair, you know, a mess and your real women sweat t-shirt on and, and there's, you know, your boyfriend from 45 years ago or, <laughs> or your former boss or, you know, Elvis or the Pope or somebody. Yeah, it's true. Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere you go, you feel like you're running for office or something. And plus right. the, plus the, um, the grocery store takes longer because of that, Kristen, doesn't it? Yes. You're like you run oh, to the yeah. store to pick up bread and, you know, two hours later you're home finally because you're I do I do notice things. though sometimes people I see men shopping sometimes and they have like a little list and they stick to their list and then they just <laughs> check out then there's someone like me who doesn't have a list and I and I just go down the aisles and I just some some aisles I miss cuz I get some of these stores are so big I'm just like sick of it I just I forget it <laughs> whatever's on those aisles I don't need <laughs> so I just have to go yeah. in the beginning and then you know because it we, we just 
buy stuff sometimes, you know, and a lot of the stuff you don't even use. But I think during the pandemic, we all were stocking up, you know, and I, now yeah, I know, yeah. like, my mother used to stock up a lot, and I used to say, what are you stocking up for? So, I mean, and we now know what we would be stocking up for because we couldn't right. get things, you know. But yeah. we didn't know. I never thought about that before. None of us did. How would we ever think no. about that? Because no. there was always I lived on an plenty island. of everything. I lived on an island, and sometimes the plane couldn't get in or there was an issue with the Ooh. boat. So I, all my island people oh. will say, yeah, you do stock up. Yeah, I have yeah. to a pan of pantry, you know. <laughs> you can't go get anything. Yeah. Plus it's, yeah. Oh, wow, where, yeah. Where, yeah. When was that? You lived in, you mean, when you were traveling? Yeah, well, I lived in Portugal yeah. for three years. So. Portugal, so that was, yeah, yeah. So that was I think that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. They, and they probably didn't have the things we have anyway, a lot of the things. I mean, we do have a lot of things here. We're really lucky to have all of this, mm. you know, when you think mm. about it, how much things we do have that other people don't have. You know, we go to a grocery store and there's tons of choices, probably too many yeah. sometimes, you know, because I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, like, and, you know, years ago people didn't read labels. I'm sitting there looking at the labels and then I go, oh, I don't know, you know, and, and you look at a can of soup, you go, <laughs> what? It's got like 2,000 milligrams of sodium okay and i mean it's so you know and no wonder these taste good you know but you you, until you start looking at some labels it's amazing you people put in their bodies you know and Mm -hmm. uh, i'm not like a health food freak or anything like that but i just you know you don't want to like buy things that have that many ingredients that might not be good for you. But then right. again, pe- there are people that eat everything and anything, and they're just perfectly fine. Yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, you, know. you were talking about how you don't take a list. I take a yeah. list, and I'm quite obsessive about it, but I'm afraid to send my husband. I'll send him with a, a list, a short list, you know, some things I yeah. ran out of or need, and, and like maybe five things on the list, basic, milk, <laughs> you know, eggs. And he will come home. He cannot come home from the grocery store without, like, ice cream or, or well, cookies or something. So, <laughs> yeah. so that wasn't on the list, you know, but yeah. but I like them, so what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, I have to help. Right, exactly. <laughs> you can't trade them in. You're not going to trade them in at this point. What am I going right? to do? Yeah, and I can't <laughs> let him eat it all by himself. So, yeah, so it's yeah, that, that not Sometimes I, I, I remember years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I remember years ago, my father, he didn't go out shopping much, but he would go to the store to get some things. And one time I remember him bringing Dial Soap. He must have brought in 200 bars, I swear. My mother just looked at him and goes, what are you doing? You know, and we, we had soap for years. I have no idea on- why he bought all those. He liked it, I guess. And he didn't shop a lot, so he bought the things he but I mean, I'm not. I remember. I'm just thinking while I'm talking of the linen closet having all those soap stacked up. <laughs> probably when they sold out, my mother sold out. Probably there was still soap left over. I mean, it was so many. You know, because some men do go out. Yeah. yeah. Some men yeah. do go out and do buy a lot of stuff, or women too. You know, they just buy stuff and then they don't need it. But the thing is, right. you you know, some things do expire, so you can't really do that. You know, right. and this is since the pandemic. Yeah. Since the pandemic, this is the first time I've ever like had to like throw out things because it was past and I didn't even realize it because yeah. I never looked at them before. I just never. Mm-hmm. I didn't really store a lot. I used to go shopping every day if I, you know, I really did. 
you know, before I were before I was coming home, I would go shopping, you know, and get what I felt like. And but then when I started looking at the dates, I went, oh, this isn't good, <laughs> you know. And so you, <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, it, you know, because I never looked at them before. Because who had time? I didn't have time to look at the label. You know, you just ate and left. You know, but now it's people have more time to do everything. You know. Yeah. So, is there yeah. any other ones you want to read to us? Do you want to read anything that you know? Oh, I sure could. Let me think. You could. I, well, here's one. Here's one um, about Christmas, since that is also um, coming up. It, it's called. If I can just find it. It is called Keep Your Partridge, I'll Take a Roast Chicken. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I saw where I could order the 12 days of Christmas as a cell phone ring, uh, ringtone. I didn't, though. I I don't believe anything would sap my Christmas spirit quite like hearing that song every time someone calls me, except maybe hearing the little drummer boy every time someone calls me. The thing that's always bothered me about the 12 days of Christmas, besides that it's repetitive and relentless and it takes 12 days to sing it, is that the giver's choice of gifts is just plain ridiculous. By day three, I'd be yelling, the birds go or I go. I do give the guy credit for shopping, though. It can't be easy to find four calling birds and seven swans swimming this time of year, let alone catch them and put them in the car. Also, you could never accuse him of being cheap. As of this writing, he'd pay a whopping $170,298.03 for all of those gifts. That's according to PNC Financial Services Group, which tracks the cost of gifts in the 12 days of Christmas every year so that Christmas shoppers can budget better. I like to think my true love could make better use of $170,298.03. For starters, I need some new tires. I know tires aren't much of a Christmas gift, but with $170,000, I bet he could buy me a really nice sweater, too. I've got some suggestions for saving true love time and money, and more importantly, giving his lady some gifts she'll enjoy. For starters, while a pear tree might be a practical gift, the ground is too hard to plant one right now, you'd think true love would know that, instead of a partridge in a pear tree, why not a fresh fruit basket and a nice roast chicken? And rather than two turtle doves, how about two dove bars? The chocolate, not the stove. <laughs> I just like your dad. Um, soap might send the wrong message. On day three, True Love presents three French hens, which, as it turns out, are nothing but chickens with accents. His sweetheart has already had roast chicken three times this week, so I suggest French bread. Three loaves, she can freeze too. On the fourth day, True Love gifts four calling birds. According to my clever friend Google, calling birds are actually European blackbirds, or excuse me, blackbirds, but try singing that nine times. Considering the migratory (laughs) habits of calling birds, I think calling cards might last longer, plus it works with the song. On day five, True Love sends a real gift, five golden rings, 
finally a mm. gift his girlfriend can enjoy <laughs> or hawk after they break up. He should really stop right there, but no, on the sixth day of Christmas, True Love shows up with six geese of laying. By now, his lady is becoming concerned by her man's sudden interest in fowl, especially when he gives her seven swans of swimming the very next day. At this point, she might find a traditional gift reassuring, maybe slippers and a robe. No fruitcake, though. She's already got one of those. If she hasn't moved out without leaving a forwarding address by day eight, our lucky recipient will receive eight maids a milking. This would be a very useful (laughs) gift if she has a dairy. If not, this is no time to give her cows. I suggest skipping the milkmaids, instead presenting his darling with a nice assortment of cheeses. On day nine, he presents nine ladies dancing. Let me just say, any time your true love shows up with dancing ladies, there's going to be trouble. The ten lords of leaping scheduled to arrive the next day may help ease the tension by giving the ladies someone else to dance with, but true love could save himself a lot of explaining if he'd just take his girlfriend dancing. Having learned nothing during his gift-giving spree, True Love sends an entire pipe and drum corps on days 11 and 12. Before the neighbors complain, his beloved could announce to the musicians, put down your instruments, everyone, and come paint my house. That would be a lovely gift. Have you ever written children's books? I mean, I, as you're reading these, I think you'd be a fabulous children's author. No, I really haven't. I did. I, I have written some things just when my son was little, just for us, but I've never really. You should. Really you should, because kids love funny books, and I bet you'd be fabulous at that. Oh, I think it would be fun. Uh, yeah, well, my son and I used to have a whole series that I that was about a little character named Riley the Rabbit. You know, and so we had him, and then we had some other things. I don't know. You should try to. You should really. You should really do something with it. Yeah, I think you'd be unbelievable because kids love to laugh, and you are very funny. So I think kids are, you know, really they would. You'd be great, you know, because I think they really enjoy your humor. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Yeah. I think that would be fun. I'd need someone else to illustrate, that's for sure. Well, that's well, that, that's the thing. You don't have to do, you know, like a lot of times, yeah. you know, even pe- people have used even clip art or you get, you know, there are a lot of people that do illustrations now. You know, it's different than people independently publish, so you don't have to wait 50 years to get published, you know. You just right. get it out there, you know. But I think because of your humor is really funny, you know, and I think yeah, that kids fun. love to have a good time. And that's so. Yeah. Do you, you know, as as you're, you know, reading, I'm thinking. Do you, so. Do you watch Hallmark? Qualif- I, I watch all of the Christmas movies. You know, and they have like three I Hanukkah really movies. Don't. But we're go. You know. Oh, you. Oh, I. You would be. You. You, you would know what them. I watch? I'm a total, total mystery person. Oh, you I are? love okay. all the Hallmark, all the Hallmark mysteries, mysteries right? Um, shows, oh, yeah. and I don't. And I like those kind. I like the cozy mystery more than the like NCIS yeah. or something like that. For some yeah. reason, that real I love Hallmark mysteries and and um, Ovation mysteries and you know. Yeah, I could see you. Then I could see you writing a character and, like that, uh, like a character that's funny. You know, solving mysteries. You know, because people like you that. know. I love that combination. Like Monk, I love the show Monk, and yeah. um, I you love Castle and those that had both humor and um, mystery. I really, all your stories really flow. They flow really good. Your stories flow. You know, your oh, thank little you. clips I that you're reading, that. they flow. 
I mean, they do, you know, and so that's why I'm, you know, I'm, that's the agent in me. You know, I don't do it anymore, but I could see when somebody's good at something, you know, what they should yeah. do, you know. But I think, well, you know, I I've really, spent a lot of years, what's that? No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to oh, say, go I spent ahead. a lot of years in radio, and so yeah. it was really, when I started writing, it was like, or, or you know, a speaker before I was a writer, so it's kind of yeah. like voice, the voice, it's like, I really want my reader to almost hear me, you know, so I really work at that, and I do, a lot of times when I write, I actually read what I've written out loud, kind of embarrassing if someone walks in on you and you're, you know, no, I do that. Computer reading. No, I read my. Really I do read it. everything out loud because I, yeah. I. That's why I always love audiobooks because I like audiobooks because um, I like to hear it, you know. And I and I read all my work out loud because I can catch yeah. mistakes or you know much better. And uh, is your book in an audiobook? Yes, but it, well, I should say it's being edited right now. But I actually did okay. do an audio book. I read it myself, uh, and it's and it's done. But it's not. It's still not up on Audible. But it will. It's very be hard. I mean, it is hard to do. I think people that narrate don't get the credit that they deserve because it is hard. Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a very yeah. hard job. And I, you know, and Audible does a great job for authors. They, you know, it's a fifty fifty. So I think that's always good because. It's nice to hear because there are a lot of people that do like to hear books. I'm one of them, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, you know, I think your books definitely, you know, listening to you. I'm just sitting here listening. You could take over the show. <laughs> sitting here listening. Well, well, I actually love to read my writing out loud, and so I wanted to do it myself. And you know, people kind of discourage me, but it's like, well, I did a lot of voiceovers for my former job, and and I really that's okay, yeah. I, kind of had the timing so I did it and it is done I, I kind of had this vision you know it's a holiday book so people can listen while they're driving to grandma's house on Thanksgiving right. or you know Christmas or whatever but like right. I said it's done but it's still in editing so so okay, yeah. God bless the man who's doing the editing because he had to listen to the whole thing while I read it now he <laughs> uh, it, was, it was fun though I enjoyed doing it so we'll see how it turns out yeah, I, well, I wish you luck. Let me, I hope you're going to come back again. And Kristen, do you have anything to ask? Any other questions while we're on? No, I'm just I'm so glad to have her on today, and it brought up a that lot of great. great memories of um, South Dakota, the small town, you know, Midwest feel and everything. So it was a lot of fun having her on, and definitely, we definitely should have her back. Yes, All I right, think I hope you do come back. back. And, oh, good, come back. We'll so just nice talk to about talk to you again, Kristen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's always fun to have shows like this, you know, which is what I do, you know, because I think it's good to talk about humor and, you know, things like that. And then you can come back and read some more because I think people like that. You know, we need, let's put it this way, we definitely need this. And that's a for yeah. sure thing. So, you know, um, Kristen and I have had many shows on struggling this last year, you know. So I thought this would be a good thing, you know, when Kristen mentioned you, I, this would be a good thing to have for fun because we need that. Well, it was fun. um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to you both. All right, thank you. All right, and so I will be back in the first week in December. Jack Remick will be on a couple of the shows, and Eleanor Sapia, Parker, and um, then I, you know, I'm going to try to have a little more panel shows. I think so. If there's an issue or a story you want to talk about, or just be on one of the shows, just let me know, because I think um, I'll be having a few more 
writing panels where we just talk about how to do characters and things like that and tips, you know, because, I mean, everybody, you know, I, I would say that after all these years of shows, you know, most people just like to hear what other authors have to say because it's fun. You know, I love it because I get ideas from other people which you should leave your mind open to other people, you know, so you can get ideas and tips. So, and I have your website, Dorothy, is uh, on my, and I have Kristen, yours too. So it's on my show page, and the show page, the show will be live. It's live now, and it will be on demand, and then on iTunes afterwards. And then I think it's being picked up other places, because I've noticed there's other I think venues that have been picking up blog talk. But so anyway, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Is there anything you'd like to say, anybody, before we leave? Happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to all the listeners. And I I, I can't even believe it's Thanksgiving. I can't believe the end of the year is coming soon. It's weird. It's just fast. A fast year, I think. That's what everybody, I say that every year. We all say that. Say, oh, it's fast, you know, but it is, you know, it, it does go by quickly, especially when people are very, people are much more busy than they were in the last two years. So I think I'm happy for that that people are out and around. So that's a good thing. And mm-hmm. I want to just say so it, too that I have an interview with Dorothy on my blog at kristenlindsay.com. An interview with Dorothy talks about her book more on my blog today. Okay. Yeah, so I it's say on there. That all, the, all of the things I read are from the newest book, The Tis the Season to Feel Inadequate. I picked all of those for you because it is the holidays, and that is that is my latest book. So, yeah. It is the holidays. It is. The holidays will be yeah. lasting one year, one year. And they keep going. Holidays keep going, right? <laughs> they never yeah. end. <laughs> right. No, they never end. <laughs> Continuous. All right. Thank you all very much, and everybody have a great day. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.